Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. Hey, everyone. I have Fawn McNeil Haber with me today. Hey, Fawn. How are you? Hello. Good, good. Um, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today on our podcast, Marketing as a Group Practice Owner and how different it is to market when you're a group practice owner versus when you're solo. And so I think that's kind of what this podcast episode will be all about. Um, can you give everyone a little bit of background information on you as a group practice owner, where you're located, how big your practice is, and we'll kind of uh, naturally flow to our question from there? Excellent. Yes. So um, as you said, my name is Fawn McNeil Haber. I'm a psychologist and I've actually been in practice for uh, private practice for about eight years at this point. And this year I decided to grow into the group practice. As of June, I hired two therapists, two wonderful therapists to work with me. And since then, or a little bit before that happened, I've been um, trying to figure out how to evolve forward into moving from that solo practice to really marketing the group practice. I'm located in New Jersey, Scotch Plains, New Jersey, um, which is a really nice small town with a number of towns around it that I also pull from, which um, works out really nice for me. Awesome. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions because it'll help me with um, my suggestions on marketing. One, do you have employees or independent contractors? Employees. Okay. Perfect. And um, what are you doing right now when it comes to marketing for your group? And what do you have expectation-wise for your W-2s? Or do you not have any expectations when it comes to marketing? So right now, I have relationships with a few professionals in the area. One of my personal areas of expertise is working with children and adolescents who've experienced trauma, particularly interpersonal trauma, child sexual abuse. So I have a relationship with my county's prosecutor's office and their child advocacy center. Um, I work with their um, their witnesses and their uh, clients. I have a relationship with some professionals in neighboring towns, psychologists, some psychiatrists, and I get a lot of referrals either from them, from word of mouth through previous clients, or through Psychology Today. Um, so that's, that's how my referrals come in. And as far as marketing the group practice, um, that has been a bit of a slow evolution of sharing with kind of all these different places. One, that I've evolved into a group practice as well as trying to look into various um, online marketing strategies like Facebook group and Google AdWords. So that's what I've been doing thus far. As far as my employees, so even prior to hiring them, I made it very clear that um, marketing and identifying an ideal client was an important part of kind of the process of joining the practice. We um, 
aren't paneled with any insurance companies. So since it's self-pay, it does require a lot of networking with community members and making connections. So I made it very clear that that was part of it. And I had a welcome letter for them um, outlining various expectations kind of just coming in. For example, having creating a Psychology Today profile, creating a very um, well-crafted About Me page, as well as giving them tips to start thinking about what their marketing strategies are going to be. That's awesome. Are your therapists, do they have the same niche areas you do, or is your practice going to have therapists that do different things? So, yeah, so my practice is primarily kids and adolescents, and that's how I advertise the position as kids and adolescents. Um, As I said before, I do a lot of interpersonal trauma, but I also do a lot of teen anxiety, um, anxiety in young kids, uh, as well as um, ADHD and parenting work here and there. And then I have kind of a smaller group of adults that I also work with, um, but I tend to try to market more in a more focused way. Okay. So your therapists are expected to have the same uh, niche area as you then, right? So similar, certainly with children and adolescents. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, Yeah. That helps with figuring out, you know, where to market to. Uh, my practice is different in that sense because we all have very different backgrounds. Um, so it makes marketing a little bit more, not more difficult, but there's a little bit more involved in in trying to make sure that you can reach to all the different populations versus having something that's really targeted like you guys have, just sticking with kids and adolescents. Um, it'll in some in some ways it'll be a little bit easier to figure out where you should market to, or like if you do Facebook ads, you know, for us, we end up having to, you know, have ads geared towards adults and geared towards substance abuse and towards kids and towards OCD. So um, it, it it's a, costs a little bit more because we have to market to a lot of different areas to reach all of my clinicians' niche areas um, and populations. So it's uh, one good thing about having uh, kind of one specialized population within the whole practice of kids and adolescents is that you can really, um, stick, you know, you can market towards one, one thing and, uh, it's a little bit easier. Yes. Yeah. So when, with your W2s, I know you said that you set the expectation at the interview and in your welcome letter, um, are you with that expectation? Is there any compensation or anything like that that's, that's going on or is it just, um, something that's expected, but without, without any sort of compensation. So, um, the way I have it set up thus far is that, um, they can be compensated once a month for writing a blog as well with a flat rate, as well as compensated once a month for, um, any face-to-face marketing. Okay, perfect. And that's also a flat rate. Awesome. Perfect. And that's a little bit of external motivation for them on that front. So when it comes to how you're, are you having any issues? I guess I should back up. Are there any issues so far? I know that your two employees are really new, but um, any issues with them doing their marketing? Because I I guess I look at it as two separate things uh, as a group practice owner. It's how you market as the group practice owner, but then also how your clinicians are marketing and if your clinicians are marketing. So how are things going with your employees so far? So one of them, um, I've been working with her to kind of identify what her ideal client would be and how to kind of narrow things down. She's more family 
therapy um, oriented. And so we really kind of um, focused her on um, kids and families going through some sort of change, um, mm -hmm. divorce, um, uh, loss. So some sort of change. Her other interest is in couples, which is interestingly come up in various ways, but I'm trying not to be distracted by that because that doesn't really kind of focus the marketing. Yep. She is, um, she is trying to come up with ideas. So she, um, wrote her about me page. She's been thinking about different, um, professionals she can reach out to and connect with. She's been working a little bit on the Facebook page. And so that's about as far as she's gotten. Okay. Um, and I've been encouraging her to think about, she, she's also interested in doing workshops and that sort of thing. So I've been encouraging her to kind of think about and brainstorm that piece. And the, what I uh, think I was going to mm -hmm, say go about the workshop piece that yeah. is that I find that doing workshops are, is super successful, especially when you're doing them um, outside of your business at other businesses or schools. Mm -hmm. Um, I know in the beginning, you know, we see this a lot with people posting in these Facebook groups, how it's hard to get people to fill their groups or their workshops in their office. And so, you know, one of the things that I suggest on a marketing level is being able to connect with another business and be able to offer a workshop, even if possible, a free workshop and have, you know, the first half of it be psychoeducational or whatever it is that, you know, the workshop is about but leaving half of the second half of that workshop for question and answer. Um, I see a lot of times, and this is just something that we've kind of naturally noticed and realized, oh, <laughs> it makes it much easier, is our my therapists do a lot of um, workshops. Our child and adolescent therapists do a lot of workshops at our local grade schools and high schools for administration, at, uh, at the um, the schools have, like, I forget what they're called now because I, I don't see kids, but, like, parent um, not parent groups, but like one, one Friday a month, it's like a, a parent group that the schools will have where, um, you know, they'll have a different presenter come in and talk about, you know, various topics for parents of, you know, their, their, uh, students school. And, um, so our therapists often go to these probably once every other month. And it's where we get a, a, a ton of referrals from. And what we noticed was in the beginning, our therapists would have like these slideshows and, um, you know, PowerPoints and all this stuff and spend the whole hour or however long it is doing a presentation. And then, you know, two or three minutes at the end for any questions and everyone kind of was restless by then. And, or there was a, a rush to need to use the room by the school. And, um, what we noticed was when, um, one of our therapists just spent half of the time doing a presentation and then just let it be a natural conversation with, you know, question and answer that all these parents were, you know, asking random questions relating to, you know, their own children's issues that, you know, dealt with whatever the topic was. And um, we got, I don't know, six or so referrals by the end of that day um, for doing that. So I think one of the things that you can, you know, talk with your therapist about if they're interested in doing workshops and groups is that, um, it's a little bit harder to get people to come into your door to do workshops and groups if they don't know you exist or if they don't trust you yet. Um, but being able to have them offer and mine, um, you know, I used to pay for marketing hours. And so if they did a free workshop at a local school for the hour, I counted that as a marketing hour and I would pay them for it. So even though, even though it was free, they still got 
paid for it. Um, right. Is is you know talking to them about what local places or businesses or schools or whatnot can your therapist go to, and what topics are they an expert in that they can have you know a workshop or presentation at. It just makes it easier on the marketing front because the school already has your clients there. You know, they just don't know it yet. Um, and they have the means to get a bunch of people together, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. most definitely. Yeah. So, and but I think the key that we found was that we don't spend the whole time doing the psychoeducational piece. We really only spend half of that time. And then the, the other half is to kind of have the doors open for the kids or if it's for parents or if it's for the teachers and personnel to be able to ask questions. And and that's where the most amount of referrals tend to come in because they get to have that personal connection with you and, and talk to you. Yes. That completely makes sense yeah. because parents tend to have a lot of questions yeah. that they want to ask that are specific and to have that opportunity for that engagement is really important. Yeah. And like I said, we noticed where when in the beginning our therapists would spend that whole hour doing the presentation, they either were rushed out at the end or they said, I have, you know, five minutes for questions and either parents were restless because they've been sitting the whole time or they felt like, oh, you know, it's, it's too rushed now to ask my question. I need more time than that. And then they wouldn't ask questions and uh, we would get le- less referrals from those workshops um, than we do now where we're super laid back about it and, you know, clinicians are spending half of the time doing the actual presentation. So that's something to talk with your therapist about and see, you know, what, what topics do they want to want to talk about and what local places or businesses have your clients already there where you can just, you know, plop in and, and give your, your presentation and be able to potentially get those referrals. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, the other thing, that I like to talk to group practice owners is about is how they're doing the marketing. Cause I know a lot of group practice owners say that they, a lot of the referrals come to them specifically and then they feel like they have to, um, you know, either convince clients to see someone else in their practice cause they're full. Um, I don't know. Is that something that you are struggling with or do you feel like you have a good handle on that? No, I think that's definitely a piece as I'm trying to market the group. I'm still obviously getting um, referrals from my different referral sources and people tend to call with my name and then it's me, it's still me answering the phone. So typically, you know, you talked about that engagement piece with the workshop, Mm -hmm. you know, I have that engagement piece on the phone and I've talked to the person for 15, 20 minutes about their issue and about, and so then when I transition to when do they want to come in, here's what the rates are, here's who would be great to work with you. Um, you know, if I'm an option that's, you know, they just spent this time forming a relationship with me. That's who they want to see. And so that piece of it, um, I certainly see is a little more difficult once someone calls if they have my name. So are you still taking new clients or no? Um, I hadn't been last month, but then the summer kind of hit. Now everyone's on vacation. So I have some space to take people, especially if they say that they want to see me and they're in my um, niche yeah. Then I'll take a few, but if, you know, it's just, if it's going to put me out in some kind of way because I don't have the time in my schedule for when they want, then I just offer the therapist. Okay. I was going to say, you know, obviously if you have the space open, the priority should be that the referral goes to you, especially if it is within your niche area. Um, but 
what I did when I, because I answered the phones up until a, a year and a half ago, um, was that, you know, when calls came in and they were like, oh my gosh, you're the, you're the owner. You're the one that I wanted to schedule with. Um, I would, if, if I was not taking new clients, I would just say it from the beginning without even establishing that relationship. Mm. Um, and if, uh, it was someone that wasn't a good fit for me specifically, cause you, you wouldn't believe how, um, many people would call wanting to see me, even though my bio, everything says, I don't see kids wanting me to see their kids. And I'd be like, I literally don't work with kids. Um, I'm not a great, <laughs> I'm not a great, right. <laughs> you know, and it's just because, uh, the schools knew me because, um, you know, I opened my, my business next to them, or I was the one doing the marketing for my group practice at the beginning that right. they just were like Maureen and they, you know, they couldn't remember urban wellness. They'd be like, yeah, Maureen is, she's a few blocks away. And then they would just be, you know, parents would be tied to seeing me then. Right. So in the beginning, when I was the one answering the phone, I had a little, a little bit of a script, um, that's different because I was answering the phone than mm-hmm. now with my intake person. Cause it's a little easier cause she's separated from the clients and you know, they're not wanting to see her. Um, they, they can, my intake person can say, Oh, actually Maureen's not taking any new clients, but why don't you tell me a little bit about what it is that you're, you know, your kid or you or whoever is wanting counseling for, you know, we have a, a, a bunch of therapists. There may be one that is a, is a great fit. And so what I would do when I was answering the phone if I was taking clients and it was a good fit, I obviously took them. If I wasn't a good fit, I would be honest and say, you know, it actually sounds like, um, you know, ex therapist. If you do have a therapist that's a better fit, would be actually a better fit for you or your son or whatever than than I would be. Um, that's my suggestion. And typically, if I would say that I'm not as good of a fit as someone else in my practice, they trusted my authority, I guess, to be like, oh, fine, okay, perfect. Um, if it was more when I would say, you know, I'm, I'm full, I'm not taking new clients that they were then like disappointed. And then it felt more of like a convincing sort of thing that I had to do. Um, and that's where I got to the point of wanting to outsource that because, um, it was easier to have someone that wasn't me answering the phone. Um, so, you know, when someone would call our, like our, intake person would be able to just say, you know, first, let, you know, give me a little bit of history or background on what your, you or your son or whoever is needing counseling for. And then that would kind of naturally flow to, you know, Heidi here actually would be a great fit. She specializes in X, uh, which is what your child is, um, looks, you know, seems to need. Um, do you want me to tell you what availability Heidi has and without, you know, keeping the doors open, what I noticed is if you open all the doors to like, you know, what times do you want? What availability do you have? What this do you want? That then, you know, it's too many options for clients. And then they become like, they, they, their expectations go up more and then they um, tend to just become more disappointed at the end. And so our intake person really just narrowed it down to, you know, tell me what the, what the presenting issue is. And then would say, you know, blank person is, is a great fit for that. And this is what she has available. Does any of those times work? Um, and it didn't allow for them to really think about like, oh, wait, I think I actually want, I forgot I wanted to see the owner because for some reason, you know, you being an owner makes, makes, uh, must mean that you are the best fit no matter what. Um, so that's kind of the route we went. And I'm, I'm sure at some point you'll get to the place where you have someone else answering for you, whether it's outsourced or in-house or, um, you know, uh, an intern or something like that, you know, you can get creative with that. But I found that that, 
does help with um, feeling a little separated and not having to constantly work on your own boundaries of not giving in. Certainly. And I like I like the phrase, the better fit, because yeah. it, it has that feel of you're getting something better. You're yeah. getting the best as opposed to, oh, I don't have availability. Well, I want you because I've ser- I've also had people say, oh, well, can I call back in a few weeks? Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, OK, well, if I don't have availability, I guess calling back in a few weeks is a possibility. But it kind of so I, I like that better fit really helps. And I've also noticed that narrowing down, I like to give two options, this or this, this time or this yep. time, this day or this day works so much better than leaving it open ended and then um, having to back track from that. Totally, totally. Um, and then so when I think about marketing for us as group practice owners, one of the things that I found to be really helpful in in the long term reducing clients calling specifically wanting you when you just aren't the best fit or if you decide that you're reducing your caseload by a ton and you're not really needing more referrals whichever is um, focusing more on back-end marketing versus all that direct face-to-face so for me I only the only face-to-face I do is like networking because I like to you know meet other professionals I want to know who I can refer to if I ever need to so um, I do like to I don't like to network because I'm an introvert and I like to be alone, but <laughs> I will network um, because I find that it's easier to talk to other therapists and say, you know, I'm a group practice owner because they tend to be solo practice owners or whatnot. So they know the business end of it. And I'll say, you know, I, I'm a group practice owner. I have X amount of therapists. They either all specialize in the same thing or we all specialize in something different. And I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm not taking any new clients, but, you know, if you have anyone that um, has, you know, a client with drug and alcohol issues or whatever, we have a new therapist who um, is a certified drug and alcohol counselor who's looking for referrals. We'd love to, you know, have you send them our way, you know, her way. And this is her name. Another thing that I've done as well, and I think you, I don't know, you might have seen it or not, but is I had a, um, a flyer, not a flyer. What is it called? Oh my gosh. Um, notepad made with all of our um, therapist's pictures. Yes, yes, yeah. I did see that. And I, someone else posted something like that too. For, yeah. And it looks really good. Yeah, and I found that to be super helpful because people aren't going to remember, especially the larger you get, they're not going to remember what who what was the name of that therapist in your practice that you said is a good fit. Like, they're not going to remember. And so I have those. And I just, um, with that, I will just tear off a sheet and give to them. And then I'll say, like, these, you know, these ones are the ones that have openings and it, their specialties are listed right on there because I don't put their full bios. I just put their, you know, specialties kind of checklisted on there. Um, and it makes it easier because then I can point to them and say, like, she's the one that does, you know, drug and alcohol counseling and this one does EMDR. Um, and so I that's the only face-to-face that I'll do. And um, networking with my local chamber of commerce because it's with other business owners. But other, right, so I have, yep. before you um, yeah, yeah. move into that, I have a, a question yes. that um, you've sort of mentioned before. So as I'm starting the group practice, you can imagine there are a number of different expenses and yeah. trying to figure out which place to put your money at any particular time is quite the task in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I've also been struggling with is marketing is important because marketing funds 
the rest of things. Yep. Um, so for example, the notepad piece, I'd love to do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep going back and forth with how much to use the photos that I currently have of the therapist, um, despite the fact that they aren't professional headshots or how much to wait to get professional headshots, which could be a bit of a wait just as far as where I can afford to put money right now. So also struggling with that catch-22 a little bit too. Yeah. Are you planning on getting professional headshots or no? I do want to. I do want to. I've Yeah. Okay. In like the next six months sort of thing or no? Yeah. In the next six months is probably feasible. Um, my suggestion would be then to wait until, for, at least for the marketing materials that include headshots, my suggestion would be to wait then uh, until the photos are done and just do other things. So like in terms of marketing material without without the headshots because I, I feel like I've wasted a ton of money on marketing materials that after a couple of months I wanted to update either because um, I had better pictures taken or a new therapist was added or whatever and that I just kind of jumped the gun because I really – was overly excited about things and I can't seem to wait on most things in life. <laughs> I'm always like, you know, next list, uh -huh. next on the checks. Yeah. So, um, my, one of the things that I do that I use that never goes out of style when it comes to our marketing materials is, um, I had a business card made that's a general business card. So we all have our own business cards with our names on them. And then we have one business card, business card that is, one that we give out, like that I will give out when um, I'm networking or if we are going, um, if like our therapists are marketing, but to like a larger population where they could uh, potentially see several of our therapists instead of just giving, you know, my business card because then they'll just call for me or one of my other therapists cards when there's several child therapists, let's say. Um, is we that um, our business card that's very general. It's on the front has um, it'll it says urban wellness. I don't have it on me now. Of course, I don't know exactly what it says, but it says something along the lines of urban wellness counseling, psychological testing, and medication management in the Edison Park and Saugenash neighborhoods of Chicago because that's where we're at. And then um, it's so when we give those out, it has. Um, whereas our regular business cards have just our names on it on the front and the, on the back, it says urban wellness, um, our address, our two addresses and our phone and fax and email, right? That's it. It doesn't say so no names. There's no, yeah. So our main business cards has our name on the front and then our like location and stuff, but it doesn't have any descriptors. It doesn't say like counseling and testing. And these are all the things we offer. It just is very clean and crisp and simple. But then the, um, our general business card where we can hand it out and it's, um, it gives, it lets, reminds people of who we are. Um, but it doesn't tie any specific person. It doesn't tie me to it. It doesn't tie any specific therapist to it. And that's the one that is a little more detailed. And it says like, you know, counseling, psych testing and medication management in Edison Park in Saugenash. So it's like very clear what we do. And, um, so people after, you know, going to a networking event, um, you know, you get 20 something business cards you, if you forget, like, especially when we do like the chamber, I do the chamber meetings, you're meeting with like real estate agents and attorneys and other people in the neighborhood. Um, my card at the end of the day, if they forgot, you know, if they look at all their cards, they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's the one obviously that does counseling and testing and medication management. So 
I found that to be useful only because um, you don't ever need to update it. I mean, I only had to update it once I uh, hired the nurse practitioner because I added medication management to it. But otherwise, like every time you hire a new therapist or whatnot, you don't have to, you know, edit that. And so that's something that any one of your therapists or you can take. And it's not tying, um, you know, it doesn't tie referrals straight to one specific person. So I would suggest that until you get your professional pictures, only because the the minute you get your professional pictures, you're just going to want to redo those uh, notepads or whatever it is that, you, that you're thinking of using photos for. That... You know, that makes a lot of sense. The other piece to that, and I think um, you know this because I've brought it up several times, is now I have this um, suite, this um, four-room suite, two of which the rooms are um, mine. And so me and my current two therapists are in um, my office. And so now I have this other office that's available. And I've been going back and forth about how quickly to hire um, more therapists for that office. Cause that office is really just sitting empty right now. So one, it makes sense not to create something that if in six months I'm going to hire more people, then I have to create it all over again. Sure. Right. Um, and I certainly don't want to do headshots and then have to do headshots again. If within six months I hope to hire more people. Right. Um, so I'm not quite sure necessarily since I haven't gotten these other two really launched how quickly to fill that office space either. Um, so I, my opinion may vary from other people's opinions, but based off of my experience, um, one, we tend to, group practice owners tend to hire too late. They hire when people are full and then it's, um, it takes a while to build, whether you're on insurance panels or not. If you're on insurance panels, it takes three to six months to get them in insurance panels so they can't see clients until then. Anyways, so you hire them and then six months later they can start, which if you waited till you were full, like you're obviously way over full by then. And if you're not taking insurance, the buildup of clients takes a little bit longer, you know, because you're full mm-hmm. fee. And so if you wait until you're full, then this new person is is going to be waiting anyways. So whether or not you have open spaces, whether or not you have open spaces, it almost doesn't really matter. My thinking has always been, it will, I shouldn't say has always been because I, in the beginning, hired when everyone was full because I didn't want to, quote unquote, take from one, you know, more senior clinician who's been there uh, longer. You know, I didn't want to take a referral from her to give to uh, this new person. But what I noticed was really every therapist is so different, even if you're in the same niche. So... My, you know, clinical director, Lauren, who works with kids, is so bubbly and she totally connects with teenage girls um, in a certain way. She's like very loud and she's, like I said, loud and bubbly. And so she works well with teenage girls who are dramatic and, um, you know, outgoing and extroverted. But um, my other therapist, Gail, who works with kids as well, she's more, she's our dance and movement therapist. So she's more grounded and more softer spoken. And she tends to, they both work great with kids and teenagers and they both work with the same, you know, anxiety and depression and trauma. But, um, Gail tends to work with the, not the like dramatic kids and not the, um, you know, there's, you know, school issues with, gossip and drama and all that stuff that's good that works really well with um, my clinical director she tends to work with you know kids that are more introverted and quiet and shy and so what I notice is even personality differences with the clinicians 
is so varying, even if you if everyone is a child and adolescent therapist, let's say, like in your case, that right. um, I find that you can hire a handful of therapists with the same background, and there's you're still going to be able to ta- be able to see that one clinician is going to be a better fit for each client that calls. And that's where the conversation just gets a little more deep. Um, so our intake person will, you know, will ask, um, especially when it comes to kids, um, like, what is your child like? Are they more, do they tend to be more quiet? Are they shy? Are they more introverted? Because then we know that, um, you know, Gail is going to be more presentable to them and uh, less scary. Whereas Lauren, who's really, you know, loud and she's laughs a lot. You can hear laughing happening, happening in her office a ton. Um, and, and she just has a different sort of connection with her kids that um, a, a quiet person might be overwhelmed by her where, um, you know, this, a dramatic kid who is a little more difficult, um, she does really great with, but with Gail, um, they might kind of run her over in a sense. So mm-hmm. that being said, I find that adding, cl- uh, clinicians is so right. I've never had a case, um, where I have hired two people who literally are, um, exactly the same. Where uh, when a client calls, I'm like, oh shoot, you know, they both are just equally perfect. I always right. feel like there's one that ju- just sounds like, you know what? Even if they're both trauma therapists for sexual trauma, and a kid is calling that has a sexual trauma history, there's still something that I hear in the conversation with the parents um, that leads me to one therapist or the other. And obviously, I with my um, in-house receptionist, she's uh, getting her master's in counseling. So I'm, you know, going through this with her as well to be able to ask the right kind of questions to detect, you know, who might be a better fit. But so I guess at the end of all of this, I'm saying is that I don't think it is too soon to hire. Now, if you have the space and everyone knows that they're supposed to market themselves um, and um, they're doing that and they, they are taking that responsibility, no one's going to be stepping on each other's toes. Because in reality, no two people have the exact same population, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I guess on, on a the same note, I feel like if you can wait till people are around 70% full and that's when you start hiring the next person, then um, you're, you're never going to make another therapist who, you know, doesn't get the business end, but might, you know, if you have someone who has no clients and then you're hiring someone else, uh, two months later, they might be like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get a client now. Cause now there's another therapist here. Um, so, um, when I was first starting out after I realized that waiting till everyone was full was a bad idea. Cause it takes a long time is I got to the 70% mark when people, if someone wanted to have a caseload of 15, when they got to like eight or nine clients, then I would start my search on my next therapist. Um, because then by the time I found a good therapist, I trained them on systems and they, um, started marketing that first person probably was closer to 10 clients at that point. And so, you know, they're feeling confident in their growth and then this new person can start on. Right. No, that That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, most definitely. But I think, and I will I will say both therapists know that this evolution with the suite has happened and that there's this open space and they've actually told people um, about the possibility. And I think the only thing even stopping them from applying is the fact that I haven't put anything out there to apply because there's so much stuff going on. 
Yeah. So. Well, I, I, it sounds like then your therapists are on board with that as well. So that's another indicator that, you know, why, if that space is open, you know, there's, there's enough clients to go around, you know, we hear about this whole abundance thing. There's, there's enough for everyone. And yes. so if you're, especially yes. if your clinicians are not feeling, uh, if they're feeling abundant in that way and they're like, come on, I have a friend who, uh, I'm telling about your practice because it's awesome working here. Um, then interview the person, you know, you have the space and, um, you and know, I bought furniture for the space <laughs> and you have furniture for the space. You might as well fill it up. Um, I, I feel like as long as everyone knows that they have an important role in making sure that their caseload is being billed or filled and it's not all on you, then, then it's totally fine. I think the problem lies when you have a practice where everyone assumes that you're going to fill them up and then all the weight is on your shoulders to fill everyone up at once. But if everyone understands that their role in the marketing aspect and then the building of their clientele aspect is on them as well, then um, I, I don't see, I don't see an issue with continuing to hire people, especially if referrals are slowly coming in and it's not stopping, you know, even if it's slow, I, I see the as as practices grow, I almost see it as like a snowball on a hill that mm-hmm. every time I hire another therapist, it just propels itself forward faster in a way. And so, um, you know, I don't know, take that how you want to take it. But I, I, I see it as a, a positive thing when you hire another person. It tends to get your name and recognition of your practice out there even more. Right. So. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, so going back to um, really quickly, you, because it sounds like your therapists know what they need to do. And well, one, what? I have one other question oh, on yeah, that, yeah. but I'll finish. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. So the other therapist, so there's the one there. The other therapist is, um, it's been a little bit more complicated. She sees older adolescents and she's also very interested in seeing 20-year-olds, even into 30-year-olds, which doesn't always kind of, it makes it hard. Like I, I don't have much marketing to that. I certainly market to the adolescent population, which goes well into their twenties as far as that launching piece. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's not too much more. I feel like I can do for her sometimes on that front, though I do talk about kind of what she does and, um, encourage her to be talking about what she does. And so that's also, you know, I worry sometimes that, um, some of her potential clients could come to the website, which is very parent focused. It's about um, hope for worried parents. It's very parent focused as far as bringing, um, encouraging parents to call to find out whether we'd be a good fit for their kids. Mm-hmm. And she also works full time. So she has a lot of connections, but she doesn't have time to do other things like workshops and that sort of thing. So. Do does your do your employees each have their own um, web page on your website? Yes, they both they each have an about me. One okay. of which just finished hers. The other one, the one who has the full time job, is still trying to carve out time to work on that. Okay, I think that is can be part of how you remedy if your main website is very parent focused and she has a different, a little bit of a different background with working with adults and whatnot is making sure that she does have a really good SEO optimized about me page. And that when she is giving out her information that, you know, her direct link is on there. 
Um, another thing that I found to be helpful in that sense too is the with the use of Facebook ads. So whenever I hire a new person uh, for one month, I um, put a Facebook ad out that links directly to my new clinician's specific page with their About Me page, and um, you know have their picture on the on the. Um, Facebook ad with their little bit of bio on there, but it links directly to their pay, their specific Facebook page or web page, um, their about me page. And, um, I find that that helps a lot too with putting a focus in the community, local community on, you know, your one clinician specifically. And so the link will go right to her page and potential clients won't go straight to your main page where they'll see that and be, let's say, potentially turned off if they're a 30-year-old that's not a parent, um, but wanting to see her. It'll go right to her About Me page, and unless they're, like, you know, clicking all around, you know, they're likely not to see that. Or at least they're likely to see her page first and say, okay, well, she clearly specializes in, um, you know, working with adults as well. So that's something, right. and that's okay. and that's where I spend a lot of my time now in terms of marketing. Um, you know, I do networking with other professional uh, counselors or with my chamber, and that's the only face-to-face stuff that I do now. Um, I don't do any workshops unless I, if it's directed at my specific niche area, um, and because I'm not taking new clients, I'm not doing that, but my clinicians are the ones doing the workshops and the stuff that build clientele, um, and I'm doing kind of the, the back-end stuff, which is... Um, you know, making sure the website is staying up to date, making little tweaks on it, adding the blogs, um, because I do similar to you, everyone, um, can get a bonus if they write two blog articles every six months. So I kind of save and have them published every once in a while. And then, um, I do the Facebook ads and, um, you know, do more of the back end non face to face marketing, getting, uh, marketing materials. I, I like doing the design and stuff of marketing materials. So I spend time designing them and getting them printed. And then um, I have my admin, you know, put it together and, and, you know, send it and bring it. So, and that's kind of going a step further than where you're at yet. But um, I have, we don't mail stuff out anymore, but we hand it in. So we should, we make folders and we put stuff together. Like we have two workshops coming out um, next month in July. One is a couple's communication workshop. And then one's a second through fourth grade social skills group, a five-week group that one of our therapists is doing next starting next month. And so we just printed out flyers and my admin has been going to all the local businesses, um, you know, putting those up as well. But again, on my end, I try to stay behind the scenes because it's less likely that people are going to try to refer to me. It's just kind of a natural hazard of being a business owner is that people are going to want to come to you just because they assume um, that you're the best. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But um, I know not a lot of people are doing these Facebook ads and you have to, you know, if you don't know how to do them, which I'm no expert, um, but I I took Amy Crane and she's someone that um, Allison Perrier had mentioned at one point and I took her Facebook ads in a weekend course and it totally helped me figure out how to, you know, what type of ads to do and how to do them right. Um, and so I've been playing around for the past you know, six or so months with it. And I've seen um, a good amount of traffic come because of those ads. And so that's an easy way f- for you to work on doing marketing locally and also being able to focus on specific clinicians. So like I said, I, I focus whenever I hire a new person, I 
have one month where an ad runs specific to that therapist. Um, and you can set your targeting to, you know, go to people that would most likely want to see her. If that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I think that's great for me to push her. And especially since she doesn't have as much um, during the day time and um, during the week time to really get out there and market herself. Right. The other piece that I think about is the fact that she's um, much more of an introvert and not quite ready to get in front of people. And so I try to keep thinking of ideas that I can also um contribute and offer to her as far as other ideas that might be helpful for her and her marketing, um, considering her time schedule as well as her personality. Yeah. So definitely doing things like blogging or sending email because I'm, I'm introverted. And I know when I was working in a group practice, um, going to big networking events was not my thing. Um, so I did a lot through email and mailing out letters in the beginning. And then I can do, and I'm sure you know, part of being in a private practice, whether you're solo or in a group, is that you have to meet with people. Um, you can't get out of that. And so right. for the introverted person, um, it's much more manageable to do one-on-one sort of marketing or networking. Certainly. She yeah. loves that. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what I geared everything towards when I was solo was um, I would first send out an email introducing myself and then I would ask because I didn't, I didn't like to be one of those people that would um, like show up. And then, you know, at a, at a business and be like, hey, can I meet with the owner? Because I would, I don't know, in my head I would be like super nervous to do that. Um, yeah. even, now, even now with the flyers, our, <laughs> our, our workshop flyers, I just had uh, 50 of them printed. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to go to the Starbucks and hang it up. Even hanging them up on the, and asking, can I hang up our flyer? Right. <laughs> literally makes me feel like I'm a throw up. So yeah. um, I, my admin is super like not – nervous about that and I was like do you mind because of course therapy notes is still down right now I know I don't know if you use therapy notes but uh, oh. therapy notes is down and we're having the heart we can't do my intake person like can't schedule anyone because we can't see anyone's schedule so I was like do you mind like putting these flyers out and she's like I'd love to she came back and had gone to like 40 different places and hung them out yeah wow so that's definitely you know something that's beyond my comfort level but obviously I would have to do it if she wouldn't have um but for an for the introverted person, I would say start with uh, doing a phone call or sending out an email um, and introducing yourself and then asking, you know, is there a time that we could meet? I would love to tell you a little bit about my practice, like, because I like to see millennials and kids in college. And so I would do the local colleges. And my thing is, I would just say, you know, we do, we see some college students at your college and I'd love to talk about that and see, you know, if we can collaborate on anything. And that would usually open the doors in that sort of way. But I would be much more comfortable knowing that they know who I am before I actually meet with them and that they're expecting me to come. And so that might be the route to go with her is just, you know, have the several points of contact before the, the face to face. But at the end of the day, the face-to-face is what really gets people to refer to you. So unfortunately, that's something she has to then get to. And so my suggestion is to like work your way up to uh, to that face-to-face contact. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we're almost at, uh, I think, the hour mark now. So. Um, well, thank you any- so much. Yeah. Any other questions that you can think of before we, we end? No, I think you um- – hit all of my questions and gave me a lot of things to think about and act on. Awesome. Well, it was nice to talk to you again. 
It's very nice to talk to you too. This was wonderful, Maureen. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Group Practice Exchange.